and happy Easter, everyone. If you'd like, you can uh, head to John 20. We're going to be in the resurrection story that John tells us, at least part of it. Um, we had the gift of that video with some of our, our kids and our students uh, retelling the story uh, in large part today. As we read these verses from John 20, we'll be looking at a, a particular moment um, after the resurrection. I'm going to be in the New Living Translation if that helps you at all. If you're on a digital device and you're, uh, you can change translations easily. We're going to start in verse 19. That evening the disciples were meeting behind closed doors, locked doors because they were afraid of the Jewish leaders. Suddenly, Jesus was standing there among them. Peace be with you, he said. As he spoke, he showed them the wounds in his hands and his side. They were filled with joy when they saw the Lord. Again, he said, peace be with you. As the Father has sent me, so I am sending you. Then he breathed on them and said, Receive the Holy Spirit. I was listening to a podcast this week by Brene Brown. She's got a couple of them. This is the Daring to Lead podcast. She was interviewing a sports psychologist, of, of all people, uh, Dr. Pippa Grange. And Dr. Grange ha, had recently has recently written a book titled Fear Less. Not fearless, fear less. And in this podcast, Dr. Grange talks about two basic fears that are with every human being throughout our lives. The fear of death and the fear of abandonment. I want to suggest to you that the, the disciples here in John 20 are experiencing both. The text says that the disciples were meeting behind locked doors because they were afraid of the Jewish leaders. Now, what particularly were they afraid of? Uh, that the Jewish leaders might punish them or throw them in jail? Perhaps. We know that that happens in the near future for some of them. But, of course, they just witnessed Jesus undergo the most public and shaming death one could experience. And so, I think they believed that if the Jewish leaders found them, their fate would be the same as Jesus's. They feared death. And so the door is locked. But it's not just the fear of death. It's also the fear of abandonment or the fear of being alone. It's hard for us because we know how this story ends. But if we can just put ourselves at this moment in verse 19, before Jesus suddenly appears. If we can put ourselves there, we have to remember that 
At this point, the disciples have lost everything. They just watched Jesus die. They've lost him. But not just him, everything that was attached to him. All of the hopes and dreams and beliefs that they had, all the things that they thought Jesus would do, the world that they believed he was going to bring, it was now all gone. So I have to believe that the disciples felt alone, maybe even abandoned. Maybe there were questions swirling around in their head at this moment in the story, questions like, how could Jesus do this? We know that some of the disciples wanted Jesus to be a military leader who came and would overthrow the Roman government. How could he let himself suffer this fate? I imagine that question has to be there for some of them. But he's dead. And now here they are with what? Well, of course, we live 2,000 years separated from the events here in John 20, and yet I don't believe that there is a single one of us who doesn't know these two fears. And the fear of death is with all of us, especially in this last year. You know, I found myself saying along the way uh, of the last year, hey, I Come on, I'm, I'm, not, I'm not worried about dying from COVID. I've told myself I'm fairly low risk. I'm fairly healthy, you know. But even the fact that you and I have had to wrestle with the possibility of catching a disease that could lead to our death means that death has been on the mind. <laughs> and even if you've kind of pushed it off from yourself, my hunch is that you have someone in your life that you are concerned for, or in just an effort to be a good neighbor. You've tried to make decisions every day, some really significantly life-altering decisions, right? Because of this fear of death, and I understand it. I feel it too. But it's not just the pandemic. It's not that just in the last year, this fear of death has kind of suddenly shown up, right? <laughs> I, I turned 44 this year. Pandemic or no, that would have happened. 44 happens to be the age when my, when my father passed away from cancer. And as I get close to the age of his death, um, the fear of death, or certainly at least the thought of death is on my mind more than it ever has been. So the fear of death is, is known by all of us. And, and not just in, in the sense of big, like capital D death, end of your life death. There's also all of, all of these deaths that we face in our everyday lives, right? Every day, in a dozen ways, we decide whether we will die to ourselves or make ourselves the center of the universe. 
where we lay down our lives, which is, of course, a type of dying, or will we elevate our lives above all others? I mean, we face these choices quite regularly. Think about the last time you were in a conflict. I mean, in that conflict, there was a choice to be made that involved potentially a death of sorts. Would you lay down your pride in the midst of that conflict? Would you let your ego die? Or think about the last time someone wounded you, hurt you. When we have been wronged, we can let our pursuit of revenge die, or we can carry out that desire. To to be humble, to be merciful, to be generous requires us to lay down our lives, to die, albeit a small death, but a death nonetheless. And that can feel scary. Questions hang around in our mind. Well, What if I die to myself? What if I lay down my life and it doesn't work out? What if I offer mercy and the other person just hurts me again? What if I lay down my pride and the other person inflates theirs? Each of us knows, I think, this fear of death very well. And we know the fear of abandonment too. The fear of being alone. In the podcast, Dr. Grange spoke about how this fear in our contemporary world today often shows up as the fear of rejection, the fear of not being good enough. Right? We fear that if we let our true selves be seen, we may end up alone. If somehow we're not good enough, the other person may walk away. You know, not long ago, I had a difficult conversation with a friend. We were talking about something very important to both of us that we didn't see eye to eye on. And that conversation actually, as challenging as it was, ended well. Uh, We, I think, listened to each other fairly well. And at the end of the conversation, we were still talking to each other. So, all in all, not too bad. But in the hours that followed that conversation, fear kept nagging at me. I thought to myself, maybe this friend is just putting on a smile, when in fact they're actually still really angry at me. And that fear started to grow. What if, oh no, what if this argument we had change our relationship forever. I started looking for signs and clues of perhaps any widening distance in the relationship because I was what? Scared of being alone, of of having a breach in a relationship that leads to a, a sense of abandonment. The fear of abandonment, the fear of death, we know both of them, and so did the disciples. 
The doors are locked. Fear has taken hold, and it is precisely in this moment that Jesus comes to them. Suddenly Jesus was standing there among them. Peace be with you, he said. As he spoke, he showed them the wounds in his hands and his side, and they were filled with joy when they saw the Lord. What does the resurrection mean? I mean, for you and for me, living in 2021, what does the resurrection mean for us? What means many things, more than one Easter sermon could contain. But what strikes me about this part of the story is that the resurrection meant for the disciples and it means for us that we are no longer slaves to fear. Suddenly, Jesus was standing among them. He showed them the wounds in his hands and his side. Because the disciples were in fear that death would come for them. And then suddenly, the one who they believed was no more, was in their very midst. And they could touch and see the wounds in his hands and in his side. This was actually him. Somehow, the one thing that everyone feared, Jesus had overcome. The one thing that no one escapes, Jesus has defeated. And the promise of Easter is not just that Jesus is alive. Praise be to God that he is. But the promise of Easter extends to us. The promise is that his life, which was not defeated by death, his power has been given to us. It's not just that Jesus overcame death, but that through him we do as well. When you die, it is in fact not the end, but a beginning. Because Christ has overcome. Death does not get the final word. And that is true of capital D death, and it is true of the everyday deaths that we face as well. See, the fact that suddenly Jesus was standing among them didn't just have implications for when they died some, at some point in the future. It changed everything about their lives right now. The resurrection means that when you choose to die to yourself, as scary as that may seem, when you lay down your life, Christ is at work. And out of it, Christ resurrects new life in its place. When you lay down your pride in the midst of a conflict, Christ grows something life-giving in its place. The death is not the end of you. Laying down your pride is not the end. It's a beginning. Or when you let go of what you have, when you allow greed to die, I know that that feels scary 
And I'm not talking about giving like a couple of bucks to, to someone. I'm not like radical acts of generosity raise all kinds of fear. But in that laying down of our lives, Christ is at work, taking what you surrender and miraculously using it to create something new in someone else's life. The resurrection is the unbelievably good news that death, in all its forms, is not the most powerful thing in the cosmos. We don't have to fear it anymore. There's something greater, something deeper, someone truer than death. And all of the fear that goes along with it, the disciples begin to learn this that night in that locked room. The fear of death and the fear of being alone had overcome them. Jesus knew this, and so again he said, again he said, this is the second time he says it, peace be with you. As the Father has sent me, so I am sending you. So again, the doors are locked. The disciples have not gone anywhere, and they don't plan on it. Thank you very much. But listen to what the resurrected Jesus says to them. I am sending you. <laughs> the doors are locked, but no more, Jesus says. You were scared to go out into the world. You were afraid of what it might cost, of what it might take. But tonight I send you. And Jesus is telling them to not just unlock the doors, but to leave the house, which must have sounded crazy to them. But then Jesus says this, receive the Holy Spirit. What is Jesus doing here? I mean, just... Just three nights ago, the night that Jesus shared the Last Supper with his disciples, he told them that he would not be with them indefinitely. But in his place, he was going to send God's Spirit, the Counselor, the Advocate, who Jesus said would lead them into all truth. So here... After the resurrection, Jesus is fulfilling this promise. I am sending you, but you're not alone. I've given you this gift, God's very Spirit, who will be with you always. I think what Jesus is doing here, in part, is responding to the fear of abandonment. He knows how the disciples feel. He knows the way in which fear has gripped them. He knows that we all can struggle to believe and to give in to this fear. So Jesus says to them, I'm giving you a gift. And it means that you will never be alone again. 
there are few things more powerful and more capable of derailing us from the life God has for us than fear. Which I think makes the resurrection the most transformative event to have happened. The risen Christ has conquered death and all of its fear. And he has risen to give us God's very spirit. We will never be abandoned. We are never alone. So I want to close this morning with four words. Four words that Jesus speaks three times. We've read two of them in the verses that we've covered here. And just the verses that immediately follow, which is the story of Thomas, doubting Thomas, right? You, you may know that story. In that story, Jesus says these four words again. So three times in a very short period, Jesus says, Peace be with you. Jesus steps into a room full of people who are gripped by fear. And three times he speaks these words of comfort and courage. Peace be with you. Peace, of course, is the antithesis of fear, especially peace in the biblical sense. We've been talking about this during Lent. Peace in the Bible means much more than just an absence of tension or conflict, right? Peace is much bigger. It is shalom. It is restoration. It is healing. It is wholeness. So Jesus appears in the room full of fear and speaks words that are meant to restore and heal and make whole. He speaks these words to us today as well. And as we close this time, I want to give us an opportunity to receive these words and to offer them as well. We'll do the offering part in just a moment. But first, I want to invite you to receive. We're going to listen to a, a short two-minute song, which is really a, a song that draws from the passage that we've been reading this morning and thinking about. And you'll hear the words, peace be with you, sung, sung out in this song. My invitation to you is to do whatever might help you in these next few moments to kind of enter into a posture of receptivity so that you might receive peace, restoration, wholeness. I invite you as a song is singing to maybe close your eyes. That might be helpful. Maybe to, again, stretch out your, your hands or maybe hold your hands close. Maybe as you're listening to this song, what would be most helpful would be to try and name the things that you are fearing, that you are scared of, that are, are weighing on you in that way. And to let those fears encounter the peace of Christ.
just for a couple minutes here, we're going to receive the words of this song, and then I'll invite us to, to extend peace uh, to each other. But let's, let's receive these words, this gift, here together. 